guys, we are on our last um, message in the series on how to be born again. So I'm really excited. It's been awesome. And um, this is my, my favorite subject of, of all of them. Um, we've been talking about um, what must a believer do in response to, 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 a, to the gospel. When someone hears the gospel message, they're saying, what must I do to be saved? What is the response that we give them? Anyone can tell me. Rubber. <laughs> what does it stand for? <laughs> Repent of your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be baptized in water. <laughs> and receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. The gospel would go out. They would preach that Jesus Christ, he died, he was buried, he rose again, he appeared to many, he ascended on high. And, 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 and this was the message that was going out. And when people said, what must I do to, to experience the salvation that Jesus has to offer? That's exactly what they told them. Repent, believe, be baptized in water, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we're talking today about, um, um, about this baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this is a subject that I pray that the Lord just keeps filling me with revelation on. It is a very holy subject to the Lord. Um, and I want to give it the due reverence and awe that, 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 it, that it deserves because this, this reality right here that I'm going to talk to you about today of being filled with the Spirit and being immersed in the Spirit of God is, I believe, even a greater reality than the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is, the, this is what Jesus was laying hold of. His life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. It was all unto this point. It was all for the purpose of God sending his spirit to live inside of man. When John the Baptist was preaching, he was baptizing people in water in, into repentance. But he's saying, I immerse you, I'm dunking you in water, but there's coming one who is more powerful than I, and he will soak and bathe and baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. This every single gospel includes that message from John the Baptist of a man that would come and immerse people in the holiness of God. It's good stuff. The prophets were talking about this, Ezekiel, Joel. The father was saying through these prophets, I'm going to come and I'm going to put my spirit inside of a human being. And that is where I will live. That is where I will dwell. Joel says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh in those days. Um, um, and, and, and Jesus, when he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he's telling him, in order to see and enter, to experience, to, to, to step in to the kingdom of God, to think, or you, must, you must be born again. You must be born again. It is impossible to experience and enter and step into the kingdom of God outside of being born again. And he explained that. He said, this is what I mean by being born again. Being born out of water through the waters of baptism where your sins are washed away, where your old man is buried and your, and, 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 and your old nature is cut off and severed, but then baptized in spirit, born out of spirit. The, we talked about water baptism last week, um, and it, it, is, it is a washing. It's, an actu it's not just a symbol. It's actually an event that occurs where we are baptized, but the Father washes sin 
We bury that old man. He raises us up into newness of life. And, um, and, and we, we're, we're completely cutting off and disowning the old nature, the old identity. And we step into the new creation identity through Christ Jesus. Um, but, um, but that baptism and the cleansing of sin was not enough. See, because that baptism dealt with all the sins of your past, washed them away completely. And that's what John the Baptist had to offer people. But he was saying, guys, there's coming something greater that's going to, to, to empower you to, 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 um, to, to overcome the sin for the rest of your days. I will put my spirit in them, Ezekiel says, and I will cause them to walk in my statutes, in my ways. And something happens when the Holy Spirit fills a person that, that our nature begins to become transformed into his likeness. Now, throughout, um, throughout the history of Israel and the church, we see different ways that God would, would relate to mankind. Um, and I'm just going to give kind of a, um, for lack of, a, a, I hate to use the word generalization, but just more of an overview um, instead of getting specific specifics. But, um, but in, with the forefathers, with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, people, uh, just all the folks of Genesis, we see God appearing to man. God was coming in the form of the angel of the Lord. God was coming. He was sending other angelic messengers. There would, it would, it, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob all encountered the Lord in that way, and it would happen over a span of 10 or 20 or 30 years, um, and another visitation from the Lord would come. You read the book of Genesis. You, you don't believe in, in angelic visitations and appearances of God. Man, it's all over our Old Testament and New Testament. Um, but, uh, but that was the primary way that God was relating to mankind during the time of the patriarchs. He was, a, he was coming to man. In the time of Moses, it shifted. God appears, signs and wonders are breaking out in the sight of all of Israel. The pillar of, uh, of cloud by day, the fire by night, everybody is witnessing this. And they build the tent of meeting, they build the tabernacle, they build... They build, um, they build this, this Ark of the Covenant, and God himself comes and lives inside of that, of, that, of that Ark that mankind built. And they would carry that Ark around with them um, into battle, and, 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 and God literally dwelt in there, and power was released. When, when, when Israel's enemies captured the Ark, their pagan deity, God, bowed down to the statue, fell down, the head gets chopped off in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant because God himself would manifest his presence in a very tangible way inside of that Ark. So God was no longer just appearing to man, but he is, God is relating with man very, very directly. He's living with them. He's living in their midst. You know, it says the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. There is, there is, there is a presence of God that became available in an increased measure. But it shifted again after Jesus appeared on the scene. With the patriarchs, God was, living, was appearing to man. With Moses, God was living with man. But when Jesus came, the one that would baptize them in the Holy Spirit says God is going to come and live inside of mankind for the first time. And he will not dwell any longer in a temple made with human hands, but he will dwell in living temples called humanity. And this was the purpose of God from the beginning, that God would dwell in tabernacle inside of mankind. You know, we see this, uh, this prayer and worship movement 
coming up in the earth and we see houses of prayer and houses of worship just springing up all over the place. And the Lord, it is, it is the hand of the Lord that's doing these things. But I want to tell you that it's unto something even greater. It's that God is not looking for another building to be built for him, for him, to, to, for him to dwell inside. He will, he will manifest his presence in geographic locations. He will, you know, you, we step into this prayer room, you can like feel the presence of the Lord. I've been inside people's houses and you can feel the presence of the Lord um, in varying degrees in people's houses and um, in and, uh, and, and just different, different places. But God wants, what I'm saying is he, so he's still doing those things, but he wants more than that. He wants more. He wants humanity to be a living temple and for us to house him 24-7 and to relate and commune with him all the time. That is the purpose of God. Um, it's what the atonement accomplished. Galatians 3, 13-14, it says, Christ redeemed us. He became the curse so that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. The point of the crucifixion, of the burial, of the resurrection, of his ascension was so that Jesus could go into heaven, having paid the price, having cleansed us and washed us by his blood from our sins, make us kings and priests, but then to ascend into heaven to pull his hand into the heart of the Spirit of God, to grab and lay hold of it, and to pour it out inside of all of his followers. Ah! It's got to yell sometimes. This is huge. This is, this is the marking difference between the Old and New Covenant was that we would not just be walking with God, but we would be walking in God, that he would be living and dwelling inside of us. See, he is building us, Ephesians 2.22, into a living temple, all of us being brought together into a living temple. Peter calls us living stones in which God would dwell. Paul says it this way, that your body has become a temple of the Holy Spirit. And when he fills you, you become one spirit with him. Completely united. See, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a human body that God lives in. God doesn't dwell in your spirit. God dwells in your body. Your body is a temple. And God dwells with your spirit and communes and is joined and made completely one with your spirit. That is what the scripture tells us. Um, honor God with your bodies. Um, but the purpose of God, he wants, his, he, he wants to completely remove the nature of sin from your being and the desire for sin. Because when Adam sinned, death spread to all men and reigned and took over all of humanity through one man's disobedience, but through one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, that many might be made righteous, that you might be cleansed by his blood, that you might be filled with his spirit and that you might become a holy and a worthy dwelling place. For the Lord. See, because a holy God wants a holy temple. A holy God wants a holy temple. Um, and um, he is ripping out of us that desire for sin, all the things that, that lead us to, to illegitimate presence and uh, illegitimate pleasures. He's tearing it out of us, but, um, um, and he is because, so that we will be holy as he is holy. And see, what's, what's, um, What's happened is that, is that we've often tried to attain to a level of holiness through our works. 
And there is the, the whole being conformed into the likeness of Christ. And there is a growth and there is a maturity in our lives. But I tell you that holiness is not attained by your works. Your holiness is not attained by how much you fast, pray, read the Bible, do this, do that. Holiness is received by faith as a gift and a promise from the Father where he clothes and he bathes you in his holy presence and fills you forever. And you become a new creation in that moment. And you become holy as he is holy. See, Jesus said, you shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. The Old Testament, be holy as I am holy. And we saw throughout the Mosaic Covenant that that was impossible to do on our own. And that all sinned and fell short. So God came and said, I am going to send my son to be an atoning sacrifice, to cleanse the vessel completely, and then he will immerse them in Holy Spirit and fire. And they shall be made holy. And you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You have been immersed in God himself. And your nature has changed from unholy to holy. the promise of the Father. Jesus was talking about this right before he died. He was telling, I must go that the Comforter may come. He will come. He will lead you. He will guide you into all truth. He will remind you of the words that I have said. Um, he, uh, he, he will, and, and Jesus said in Luke 24, he was telling his disciples, you will be endued with power from on high. Stay in the city. Wait. It is a promise. It is a promise. The, the, the Holy Spirit throughout the, the New Testament is called the promise of the Father. It is a, it is a, it is a gift from heaven. That, that's the word, promise, gift. Um, um, that those, they're, they're, they're what Jesus paid for for you to receive. Um, but uh, again, it's, it's not enough that Jesus... Was, was, just, was just crucified, that he died, was buried, that he rose again. If Jesus had just died on the cross, but, 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 but didn't rise from the dead, Paul says it clearly, 1 Corinthians 15, you're dead in your sins. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, your faith is completely useless. And that Christianity is no different than any other religion. But we have hope because of the resurrection. However, had Jesus merely risen from the dead, it would not have been enough. Mary Magdalene tried to run to him, and, and he said, no, 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 I haven't, I have to go. Don't, not now, I can't cling, don't cling to me now, I have to go up to my father. He still had to ascend. And so he spends an extra 40 days with his disciples teaching them on the kingdom, and he ascends. And as he's ascending, he leaves them with this message he says, I am going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is why I'm going back up to the Father right now. This is why I must go and leave you so that I can send Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you. Jesus. We are crucified in Christ. We are buried with him and raised up through baptism. But through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we become one with God and we ascend with Christ into the heavenly realms. And receive the adoption as a son. 
It's always good. Good stuff. <laughs> I like this. Okay, so this promise, we see it fulfilled in the Bible. Turn to Acts 2. I have a lot of places in the books of Acts I want to take you to, book of Acts, but um, you're just going to have to jot some stuff down and, and go back to later. Some of you may be familiar with, with a lot of what we're, um, but we're reading. Um, but when this promise was fulfilled, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, every single time that it's recorded in the book of Acts, there was clear, definite evidence of the Holy Spirit's appearance. Every time. Every time. Acts 2. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all gathered together in one place. It's the 120. They'd been praying in Acts chapter 1. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributing themselves as they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So we see... Violent, rushing wind, fire, tongues of fire come down. Holy Spirit comes. 120 people speaking a foreign language that they had never learned before. I'm just demonstrating. <laughs> um, when a, you know, there is a, I've really just been devouring the scriptures to, to, to lay hold of, of this reality and to understand it and to communicate it. And, and, and I don't claim to be there yet, but I've, I've done my own study. I've, I've, I've read um, um, commentaries from other folks, and, and, um, but, uh, and, and it's been very helpful. But I tell you, there is no one that I've found yet that, that teaches and preaches on baptism in the Holy Spirit like John G. Lake. This man was laying hold of something, and it was this place of habitation. It was this reality of God living inside of man. Um, he preached it this way. And as he began to talk about um, Acts chapter 2, um, as he was preaching on baptism in the Holy Spirit, he, uh, he was talking about the gift of tongues. And he described the gift of tongues as the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit communicating through a human vessel, through, through a human being. Um, I don't like the word vessel because it doesn't sound very relational. <laughs> um, human being. And... Um, and, he, and he's talking about the gift of tongues, and he immediately, the Holy Spirit falls on him, and he just starts from the pulpit, pauses, and then receives an interpretation at that moment. And I want to read this to you, what he said. He said, this is the interpretation the Lord gave him. Christ is at once the spotless descent of God into man and the sinless ascent of man into God. And the Holy Spirit is the agent by which it is accomplished. Christ is at once the spotless descent of God into man and the sinless ascent of man into God. And the agent by which this is accomplished is the Holy Spirit. Um, man becomes the dwelling place of God. The Spirit of Christ poured out of heaven into man and the spirit of man ascending up, cleansed and washed into the presence of God as a son. It just gets me excited. <laughs> we see clear evidence of the, of the, of the Holy Spirit's appearing. There, there's, there is teaching. I've, I've read stuff. I've heard of the people teach on a secret appearance of the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't happen. 
People teach on a secret coming of Jesus. I don't see it in the Bible. When we read the book of Acts, every time the Holy Spirit appears, there's evidence. There's experience. There's something that someone could go back to and remember. Um, so in Acts chapter two, we saw the fire, we saw the wind, we saw we, um, the gift of tongues was manifested. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius encounters an angel. Peter goes into a trance <laughs> and, 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 and where the Lord tells him, you know, go hang out with these Gentiles, it's gonna be okay. Um, and, uh, and by the way, eat whatever they serve you for dinner, um, even if it's a lobster, um, <laughs> which to us sounds exciting, but to a Jew is like terrifying. Um, so Peter goes, meets Cornelius. He's preaching the gospel. He's preaching Christ resurrected from the dead. Um, and, and then before he makes the altar call to call him up to, get, to be circumcised and then to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right before he can make the circumcision altar call, the Holy Spirit <sniffs> invades his entire household. Every single person in the house. And Peter is witnessing this with his eyes, hearing it with his ears and saying, whoa, they received the Holy Spirit just like we did. Baptize them immediately. I have more to say on that in just a moment. Um, um, so, so they were, um, we, we saw visible, audible, audible evidence of the, of the Holy Spirit um, um, filling an individual. Acts chapter 9, we, the same thing with Paul. Paul comes in. Um, Paul, his eyes have been blinded um, um, as, uh, as, he, as, as Jesus appeared to him. Ananias is sent to him. And, the, and Ananias comes in and says, God sent me so that you might receive your sight and receive the, and, and his, and receive the Holy Spirit. Paul's eyes, the scales fall off of his eyes. And, um, and Paul gets up and he says, now get baptized. <laughs> I'll get water baptized. And we see in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul saying, I speak in tongues more than anybody. He, there, there was, there was, he received the gift of tongues. Um, um, Acts chapter, um, well, I want to make a point quickly. Um, in Acts 2, at Pentecost, in Acts 10, with, uh, with Cornelius, Acts 9, with Paul, there was a difference between repentance, belief, water baptism, and spirit baptism. And when someone received, um, when, 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 when someone received the Holy Spirit in, in Cornelius, it was a little bit strange for that experience because usually people were water baptized first. They lay hands on them, receive the Holy Spirit. But when they received the Holy Spirit, they were immediately water baptized. And the reason I'm making this point is because I have been meeting believers um, that, that have repented, that have believed, that have been um, filled with the Holy Spirit, have received the gift of tongues, or, um, and, um, but have, have not been water baptized. And that is a completely foreign concept to the New Testament church. Um, it was something immediately that they, that, they, um, that they told people to do because of its cutting off and its severing with the old nature. It was essential. Um, there has been... Uh, Pre, I, I've, I've met individuals where pastors and leaders would tell them, no, 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 as long as, you, as long as you prophesy or as long as you speak in tongues or as long as you receive the Holy Spirit, as long as you, or in evangelical streams, as long as you have faith, as long as you have, you're, you're okay. You don't need to be water baptized. It's totally opposite of the practice of the apostolic church in the first century. And God's restoring that. So 
be baptized today. Um, <laughs> Acts chapter 8 and Acts 19 are very key um, scriptures for us in, 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 in realizing the reality of, of, what, of, of baptism in the Holy Spirit. Um, in Acts chapter 8, Philip had gone down to Samaria after persecution broke out in Jerusalem. He preached the gospel and, um, and, and people, this is very interesting when you read Acts chapter 8, people, they believed, demons were cast out of them, and joy broke out in the city. And even one more element, they were water baptized. The head witch doctor of the town was water baptized, Simon the sorcerer. One problem, they repented, they believed, they were baptized, all the demons came out, joy came out. One problem, they hadn't received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter and John had to come down and lay hands on them because the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them, it says. Now, I've heard some very interesting attempts to explain um, 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 that situation that, uh, that tries to take away from the reality that a baptism in the Holy Spirit is, an, is a memorable evidential experience. Um, and, uh, and I don't even want to go into all that, but, um, but what's, what's, what, what folks have tried to do is to remove the, the, um, the memorable evidence from baptism in the Holy Spirit and just assume that believers, that every single believer has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, but the big question at hand in Acts chapter 8 is, not so, is how did the apostles know that these guys didn't receive the Holy Spirit? How was it? Um, so they came up, they laid hands on them um, to receive the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mention tongues, um, but it was something that Simon, the witch doctor, Simon the sorcerer, he saw with his eyes, he saw a manifestation of the Spirit probably heard something because that's what happened um, in Acts chapter 2, um, that, uh, that, that he saw it and he said, I've got to have some of that. And there was such a manifestation of the Spirit occurring, such a noticeable manifestation that it made someone, a witch, um, a witch doctor um, named Simon, jealous, who was, he said he was operating at a very noticeable level of power. Simon the sorcerer was not just the guy like, shaking an eight ball and pretending to read your, your palm. <laughs> I mean, the, the, this, this was a man operating in a noticeable level of power. And he came, and, and when he saw Peter and John, there was, a no, there was an even greater level of power being demonstrated by the laying on of hands and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, um, Acts chapter 19, we saw the same thing. Um, Paul goes, and he meets some disciples, and he says, and he, and he asks them, um, have, uh, have you received the Holy Spirit? Was his first question. His first question. Now, these guys had heard the gospel. They had um, been baptized into John's baptism. But when, when Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit? They're saying, we didn't even know the Holy Spirit was, was given yet. We didn't realize that that was a promise. Now, they're not saying we didn't realize there was a Holy Spirit. We didn't even know the Holy Spirit existed because the thrust of John the Baptist's message was Jesus is coming to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. These guys heard that constantly. Jesus is coming to send Holy Spirit. Jesus is coming to send Holy Spirit. And what they didn't know was that Jesus had sent it and made it available to them. And so Paul, first thing he does, he says, okay, you've received John's baptism. Now I need to dunk you in water in the name of Jesus. And then in a separate instance, he lays hands. I mean, it's the, same, it's the same event, but he dunks them. They come up, lays hands on them. 
They receive the gift of the Holy Spirit right there. And it is evidenced by tongues and prophecy. Um, my point in these, in these events in, Acts, in, in the book of Acts is that, um, again, it, there was evidence of this offense. There's always something that people could go back to and say, I, I, I received this. It was just as clear of an event as someone that had been dunked in water. Um, and uh, I've, uh, as I've been reading this, I've, I've just gotten kind of a, a new zeal. As I, as I meet folks, and you know, it, you could be annoying about this, or that, I mean, sometimes zeal, that wisdom. But anyway, so I'm meeting, I'm meeting folks. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? My, I have a friend that every, she said, everyone that comes to my house, I guarantee you, I'm going to ask them if they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because it's important. People, we need this power from on high to walk out Christianity. And what we've been doing is we've been leading people to Jesus, telling them to read a certain measure of the Bible and to stop doing this, this, and that, but we haven't equipped them with power from on high to actually do those things we're telling them to do. We need the Holy Spirit. They need the Holy Spirit. So I was at SMU um, a couple of weeks ago, or I guess two, three weeks ago, and uh, I'm... We have free hugs and free prayer. Big yellow sign, bright yellow. <laughs> and then, you know, bright, white, translucent Matthew. You know, I'm really pale. I'm half Mexican, but it doesn't look like it. Um, brown on the inside. Um, <laughs> it's true. My dad's from Monterey. He was born there. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I'm standing out. Like a free hug, you know, <laughs> come on, you know you want one, and so many people stop by, and, uh, and this, this, uh, this one guy stops by, and uh, I'm talking to him, and he's, you know, I'm, he's, he's a believer, he he's, has just such a genuine heart, I'm prophesying over him, and I just, I just ask him, I don't like get in his face, but I just ask him, hey man, have you, um, have you received the Holy Spirit? You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, um, and just, uh, you know, so I explained it to him, and, um, and then got to pray with him. Um, and, uh, and he, he felt a tangible presence of the Holy Spirit as I started praying over him. Um, and, um, my, um, my grandmother, 80 years old, about three weeks ago, I'm talking, it's just been burning. I'm like, ah, my heart, like my family that knows Jesus, but needs the Holy Spirit. I've, I've got to do something about it. So I'm hanging out with my grandma and, 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 we're, and, and I just asked her, Mimi, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And she didn't really know what I was talking about, so I had to explain it to her. I explained to her the gift of tongues. Um, and we, we get into a big, long conversation. Um, all this inner healing happens in her from, from other stuff the Lord was dealing with. I lay hands on her. She receives the Holy Spirit. She sees a vision of Jesus. She feels the peace of God. She sees this bright light, and she, she felt truly forgiven. For the first time. <laughs> you know, I think it was Stephanie Cosby, if I remember that your niece, where is she? she in here? Okay, but y'all's niece recently got baptized in the Holy Spirit, is that right? Yeah, can I share that story? Okay, okay, well, just a little, little piece of it. So their niece, nine years old, correct, Chris? Nine, nine, ten years old, baptized in the Holy Spirit, receives the gift of tongues, and says something along the lines of, Oh my gosh, why didn't someone tell me about this before? Nine, ten years old. I heard that. I was like, I've got to get to my grandma's as soon as possible. I, 
sent a Facebook message to my dear friend Sarah, who's in Lebanon, just telling her that testimony. She responds to me last night saying, oh my gosh, Matthew, I was asking the Lord today if it's possible for an old person to receive, this is her words, not mine, <laughs> old person to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive the gift of tongues. Like your email just answered my question. I'm like, come on, nine years old, 80 years old. You can receive this. It is available. Um, it, is, it is something. When I was in college at SMU, I, I went in. I had had a, a real encounter with the Lord when I was 17. And I felt different. I felt changed. And I was walking with the Lord. And then someone asks me my freshman year, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And my first response was actually offense. <laughs> I received the Holy You're saying I don't have the Holy Spirit. I know, I was there. <laughs> I felt there. Uh, <laughs> um, gave me some scriptures. They, they, uh, a couple of guys sat down with us and it was just like, okay, here it is. And this is available to me. They laid hands on me, received the Holy Spirit. I was terrified. I was like, I'm the only one that will not speak in tongues. I'm completely convinced I'm the only one. <laughs> and I'm like, is this tongue even real? He just keeps saying shua da da ba ba over and over again. I'm like, you know, all these things are going in my head. And I'm just <laughs> But I just start just praising God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And I'm noticing something that me and my roommate are just, he's getting some deliverance, you know, and the Holy Spirit's filling him. Um it was a memorable experience. It happened actually almost a year ago to this day. I think Tuesday, a year, or not a year ago. What year are we in? 2013, seven years ago. <laughs> Same thing, right? You know, eternal perspective, one year, seven years, not that big of a difference. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it was a separate experience. And in the book of Acts, if there was a lack of repentance, if there was a lack of faith, there was a lack of water baptism, if there was a lack of spirit baptism, the apostles immediately went to take care of whatever was missing of the four pieces because they knew that a new believer needed all of those things from day one. Um, it was, uh, and they were all distinguishable experiences. So what is that evidence? Let's talk about a couple of things. Um, we see Acts 2 Acts 10 and Acts 19, those situations clearly talk about this gift of languages. That's what tongues is. We, tongues sounds cooler, but it's really just languages. Um, <laughs> um, we receive a language. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, there are languages of angels and languages of men. Um, and um, sometimes it can be a very discernible language. Um, I had, gosh, this was a, a recent experience, Michael. McLean, he, uh, he was, they were on an outreach, right? Is this, was this last Thursday? And like you were pr like praying in Hebrew over somebody? So you were, he was praying for a guy at the, at the mall, right? And then Barnes and Noble, you pray in tongues over them. Never met this guy before. He was a girl. Um, okay. <laughs> So he's praying over a girl, <laughs> and he's praying in tongues, and she recognizes it as Hebrew, says, you were praying a Hebrew prayer. Have you ever studied Hebrew? Never. 
Never. <laughs> I had um, one of my teachers at an internship I did with Every Nation Ministries. He's a bald man. Um, and he, he does this thing where he rubs his bald head while he teaches. Like, he just puts, he goes, I do it with my hair. He does it with his bald head. Um, and he one time was teaching, and, uh, and it was recorded on video. And he just, he just, he was, I, think, I don't know what he was talking about, but at some point, something like that. And, a, and a, I think it's a Hungarian couple. It's something, some kind of Slavic. Um, but uh, they're watching this video, and they, from the testimony I hear, nearly fall out of their chair or fall out of their chair laughing hysterically. And I was like, what happened? And he said, you don't know. He said, he said oh, I wish, I wish I had my hair back or something like that. It was like... I was just like, come on, Jesus. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, Paul talks about the gift of tongues as it, as it edifies the human spirit. It, is, it, is, it becomes a form of prayer and of worship for an individual. That he says, will edify the believer, 1 Corinthians 14. Jude 20, that you build up yourself in your most holy faith through praying in the spirit. Praying in the Spirit, Ephesians, um, Ephesians 6, is actually part of the armor of God. It's the voice of God praying through you with words that, with, that you can't express. Because and, and what, what happens when the Holy Spirit fills a person, the, um, the, uh, the, what, what typically is the manifestation is there's a desire to praise and adore the Lord in a way that you don't have words to express. And I think about it this way. You really love somebody or you're really excited about something and you want to tell somebody but you just you, I, I don't even have the vocabulary to do it right now and I don't I don't mean to make fun of gift like I'm, I mean guys it's real it's real um and uh so so we see this gift of languages and and I believe there's a, just a growing manifestation of of this gift where God's going to be sending us out to these unreached people groups we're going to go out and just start speaking the gospel in tongue, not even knowing what we're saying. And then all the people are going to say, you just told me that Jesus Christ died, crucified, <laughs> buried, resurrected, and wants to fill me with the spirit. Yes. You know, <laughs> and start this big altar call comes. You don't even know what altar call you made, but all these people start coming, you know? <laughs> and I just believe that. Lord, move us on from just, from, from, we love prayer languages. We love tongues, but God, take us in to languages that, that will take the gospel to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Paul's saying, I wish everyone spoke in tongues. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Um, and, uh, but, but some people, they hear about baptism in the Holy Spirit. They're like, ugh, do I have to speak in tongues? Um, no, you get to. It's a gift. It's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And it's a gift. And it gives you an ability to communicate with God in a way that you can't express with words that you know. And for God to pray through you himself. It's a cool motion I just did. Um, <laughs> so um, it's a language that may even start small at first. I've, I've laid hands on people, I've, and I've seen just varying degrees of folks um, um, and how they receive the Holy Spirit and what happens emotionally. And it, it, Most of the time, actually, there's no instance in the Bible that describes the emotions that someone's feeling as they're receiving the Holy Spirit. Um, and I say that for, for some of us have, 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 have had a real 
filling of the Holy Spirit, but it didn't involve falling over on the ground and rolling around and screaming. And so we, we <laughs> um, I've seen stuff like that happen. So I've, I've, seen, I've seen varying degrees of, 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 of manifestation of the Holy Spirit. My, when my brother was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I laid hands on him. He quietly... For about a minute, and he looks up at me. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> so I've seen that. Then I've seen a friend that I went up to, and uh, I, I laid hands on a, on a buddy in college, and, um, and he is like on the ground weeping and crying. Ah! He goes up and tells his roommate what just happened, and then they both come down. They're like, and, and, and his roommate's like, Matthew, what is going on? So <laughs> I go back up to their room. I just, I mean, real quick, and I just tell him about it. I lay hands on him immediately. He starts shaking. I'm like, well, that was easy. Languages, it's available. Um, Acts 2 and Acts 19 mention a prophetic speech, a prophetic utterance of some sort. In fact, when Peter is describing what is tongues, what is this, um, He's saying, this is the prophetic gift that, that Joel was talking about. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all mankind. They're going to prophesy. The gift of tongues is, is a form of prophecy to the Lord. Um, however, it's not clear that in every instance it was actually a foreign language. Um, in, in Acts chapter 8, there's really no mention um, of it being a foreign language. But some kind of prophetic utterance or praise or exaltation of God, a spontaneous speech was involved. Um, I'm, my, I believe that the gift of tongues is available to every person. That is my personal belief. I do not believe that the gift of tongues is a prerequisite for receiving the Holy Spirit. I believe that receiving the Holy Spirit is a prerequisite for speaking in tongues. <laughs> um, there's, um, um, my, uh, with, with the past, about three people I've laid hands on these past couple weeks to receive the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I laid hands on them and I described it to him. I described, here's the gift of tongues. Here's, here's what's going to happen when you see the Holy Spirit. Um, that, um, that I laid hands on them and, and nothing's coming out of their mouths. But I, after a few moments of me praying, I asked them, like, what are you experiencing? What are you feel, feeling right now? And, and um, three of them have said something along the lines of, uh, of a bright light, a peace of God within and, um, or, or those two things, those were, those were the only two. Peace of God or a bright light, just something um, they are experiencing. So I told them, I'm like, okay, God's filled you with the Holy Spirit. Now you have the ability to speak in tongues. I'm going to help you. And then slowly, and they start speaking in tongues. And sometimes when we learn a new language, we need a little help. <laughs> but um, the, the Holy Spirit, he... he, he he, he fills us, he, he, and he gives us the ability. See, in Acts chapter 2, it says the Holy Spirit filled them and gave them utterance, but they spoke. They spoke. And some of us get this idea that the Holy Spirit's just going to completely take over us against my own will. And, you know? and I've seen things like that happen. But... Um, but he's, he's going to re respond in partnership to you. He's, he's going to, he's, he's, uh, <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, Holy Spirit. Um, there was a guy, David Pawson, who's a favorite teacher of mine. 
He was talking about this in a moment he had. He was laying hands on someone to receive the Holy Spirit. And he didn't even speak in tongues, but spontaneously, like completely spontaneously. Hallelujah. (laughs) Bobbed out of him. (laughs) He's like, okay, you've been. (laughs) There you go. There is is evidence. And um, so um, we may not know the exact date of, of when we repent. We slowly repent. We put belief, we put trust, and sometimes it's a process. But there is an actual date and moment when you get dunked in water. And there's an actual date and moment when you get dunked in the Holy Spirit. That Paul's always taking people. That's what the epistles are about. He's saying that the love of God is poured out into our hearts when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We receive the spirit of adoption. We're baptized into the body of Christ. We receive it by faith and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, I've seen give people confidence in their salvation. Um, some of, we've, we've, we've sometimes tried to say, you just have to, you just have to believe, but even if there's no change or no, no, no difference that you notice in your life. Um, in the Bible, there was a noticeable difference that people experienced after they encountered the Lord. Um, it was possible. Paul had an open or a, a direct visitation from Jesus. Jesus appeared to him, yet he still needed someone to come and lay hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit. It was a different, it was a distinguishable event and experience. Um, but... Um, 1 John 4, it says, this is how we know that he abides in us, when he gave us the Holy Spirit. That's what he's talking about. When, he, when you experience that, that, that baptism of Holy Spirit, it says that's how you can be confident that the Lord lives and dwells in you. Um, after effects, new level of excitement about life. I was, I was praying with a friend who's from a, 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 like a Southern Baptist background. She got involved in our group in college and she heard someone speaking in tongues in church and it was like, ah, you know, and so I'm talking to her about it, and, and, it, and, um, and, and she just, she was so patient. I really um, give her just a lot because she, um, she, she was taught against that. She was taught against tongues. She was taught against manifestations of the Holy Spirit her whole life. But she was, she was experiencing relationship and experiencing love from the people around her. So about, probably about a month or so later, she's just slowly kind of finding it in the Bible for herself, I'm just, you know, we're just being patient with her. We love you, you know. <laughs> um, but she just, one day, just finally says, okay, I, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. I lay hands on her, and she's like, so quietly, shoot up. Like, I couldn't even tell. I'm like, do you want to try to pray in tongues? She's like, I just did. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then you can be louder if you want. We were in a library, so. Um, <laughs> I guess I can say <laughs> <laughs> There's no place that's inappropriate to receive the Holy Spirit, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> you can do it in Grandma's apartment. You can do it in the Student Center of SMU. You can do it in the library. Um, I don't know. You might get kicked out. But um, <laughs> um, it's. Uh, but she immediately, as we were going out, as we were, as we were, as we were walking out on campus, she's just like. She, she comes up to somebody comes by and, 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 and we say hi. And I think it's someone I like sort of knew. I give him a hug. And she's like, have you been to our campus ministry? We're meeting tonight. You need to come. And she just walks away. And then she looks at me. She's like, I never invite people to things. I never. <laughs> and she, she noticed an immediate change. There's a boldness that comes to preach the gospel. That's what happened to Peter in Acts chapter two. There's power to overcome sin. I will, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. When you receive the Holy Spirit, it's about receiving God himself 
and the power comes with him to overcome sin. Love for God, Romans 5, security of salvation, receiving the seal um, and uh, knowing that God abides in us. So how do we receive this? I wanna quickly go through this. How do we receive? It's sought out. This is something that's sought out. Um, And in the Bible, it was not sought out before repentance, faith, and water baptism. Now, there was an instance with Cornelius' house where the Holy Spirit fell beforehand, but the immediate response was water baptism. Um, So, um, and and it was, and that, that that God poured out his spirit before, um, um, before water baptism was evidence that God accepted the Gentiles. Peter says in Acts 11 that receiving the Holy Spirit gives someone confidence that they've been accepted by God. Um, and, uh, and it was sought out, but it was sought out how? Through prayer. Through prayer. Luke 11, go on asking. Go on asking until it, if, if you, if it's someone being evil will ask their papa for uh, uh, some, some food, will you give him a snake? Will you give him a scorpion? No. How much more will your heavenly father, if you seek the Holy Spirit, will he give it to you? And that's a really key verse because some people are afraid that when someone lays hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit, that they're going to open themselves up to a demon. It's real. People really believe that. And it's, it's a fear um, that and it's, it's, um, it's, it's not going to happen. That's what I'm telling you. Because when you ask Jesus to baptize you in Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you a demon. Well, that other person might. <laughs> no, you ask Jesus, fill me with the Holy Spirit. He'll take care of the other guy. And uh, <laughs> he'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. Um, guaranteed. Um, Acts chapter one and two, they're meeting together. They were praying. Um, and it was most commonly um, administered through the laying on of hands. Samaritans, Ananias laid hands on Saul. Paul lays hands on, um, who was also Saul. Paul Saul lays hands on the Ephesians. Hebrews six talks about the laying on of hands. Um, it was so common of a practice that Hebrews 6 says repentance, faith, water baptism, and laying on of hands. It was so common for people to lay on hands that he said laying on of hands instead of receive the Holy Spirit. It was such a common practice. Um, When should we receive it? Day one. Beginning. Beginning of our walk with Christ. Um, It is is not something that, that anyone needs to wait for. When they pulled him out of the waters of baptism, immediately they laid hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit. And I've, I've been in circles where people get baptized, we pray over them, and we prophesy over them. But what really was happening in, 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 in the days of the apostles is they were baptized, people laid hands on them, and the person that got baptized started prophesying. <laughs> and often in another language. Um, but, um, but what if a person doesn't receive? Um, um, if, if, a, um, if a person, some, some things that, that have, that have that have kept people from receiving is, is, uh, is I always kind of go back to steps one through three, repent, faith, water baptism. Um, I was praying with a guy one time at SMU. I was about to lay hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit and, and he was having trouble receiving. So I was like, okay, let's, let's pray. Turns out he didn't actually believe in the resurrection of Christ. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, there's something else there. Um, <laughs> so... About a week or two later, he's in my car and he sees a vision of Jesus, gets, filled, gets saved, gets filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's, it's awesome. So, <laughs> so um, um, unforgiveness has been a hindrance to some people. Um, and I've seen people when they, as they, the Lord highlights something and they forgive, that they're, that's what, exactly what happened with my grandmother. She forgives, she released, and then phew, she received. Um, um, 
So um, it doesn't mean that, and I'm not saying that if you, if you struggle with sin, you're not going to receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, carnal, messed up people receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and you need that to overcome all of that junk in your life. So, um, but that's just what I kind of do with the Lord. If I'm, if I'm there praying, what, what happens? Um, sometimes people just don't know what to expect, which is why I've tried to give you um, that, that explanation. Um, will the Holy Spirit take over me? Do I have to speak in tongues? Does it, have to, does it make sense? Do I have to hear it in my head first? You know, and, and often, what, what I, what I, even, even when we go out and we take the interns to, to prophesy, we just say, just go over somebody, open your mouth, and believe God's going to give you something. And I'm more confident when I prophesy over somebody in God's desire to speak to that person than my ability to, 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 to my inability to hear properly or whatever. My, yeah, whatever it is. I, I, all I'm trying to say is I'm weak, I'm broken, but God so loves that person and he so loves me that he's going he's gonna to use me and do something if I will step out in faith. Um, and it's, it's really the same um, in, a, in a receiving the Holy Spirit and, and receiving um, the gift of tongues. But, um, but, a, but a person... Um, sometimes doesn't know how to receive. We need to open our mouths. Drink, speak. <laughs> Jesus says, anyone who's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. We drink, we receive Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. We receive it by faith, and then, and then we step out in faith. With the, he gives us the utterance, but we put language, we put sound, we put our mouths to it. Um, I've already given you examples of that. And we're receiving actively. Like there is, there is a conscious receiving that's not just I'm sitting on the couch waiting for God to come dump the holy oil all over me. You know, <laughs> it's, it is I'm actively receiving and engaging with the Holy Spirit. Um, but uh, um, so that's really all I have to say. Um, God, this is so important. God wants this for you. This is a gift and it is a promise for you. And one of, sometimes what, what I see with people is they've come up and someone's laid hands on them and nothing's happened. And so, so they just start believing this isn't for me. This isn't for me. I'm not gonna, the same thing happens with healing. It's the exact same thing. But what Jesus says, keep on asking. Keep on coming forward. Keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's called a gift. You can't earn it. It's called a promise. The guarantee. Peter says, it's for you. Worship team, you can come on up. He says, it's for you. It's for your children. It's for all who are far off and whom the Lord draws near to himself. And I really, I want, if, if you have not received the Holy Spirit, it is, and, and you, have, you, have, you have genuinely repented. You've genuinely, you genuinely believed. You've maybe even been water baptized. If you haven't been water baptized, I want you to get water baptized today. Um, that... Um, um, that may be an act of faith the Lord's waiting for. I don't know, maybe. Um, um, but, um, but, but come up again, engage your heart and your will and just say, this is for me. This is a promise for me. And I need this. See, God, he's making us into a living tabernacle. And we receive the Holy Spirit. It is a down payment. It is a guarantee of something even greater to come. And God will continue filling you. The, 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 of all the words described with baptism in the Holy Spirit, all these words have been synonymous. Baptized with, gift, given, poured out, fall upon, um, seal. Um, all of those words throughout the New Testament are synonymous to one particular experience. But it goes on to say that they were continually filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. 
there's more, there's more, there's more. I've, I had, I was, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit seven years ago, and I've had even increasing levels of manifestations and encounters since then. So this, this, uh, this, this, what happens? It may be big powwow, bam. It may be a deposit, but it's available to you, and you need it, and you can grow in it, and grow in it. And um, so, I want you to stand up right now.